Welcome to Practice Care with Carl White, the podcast where we help practice owners in healthcare know just enough about the business side to make good business decisions and keep their practices independent. Now our host, Carl. You own a practice and you're feeling like you need to make some kind of significant change to your practice, but it feels daunting, maybe really daunting, and you feel kind of stuck. Well, I'd like you to take some inspiration from my guest today. My name is Carl White. I am principal at Mark Advisory Group, which is a healthcare marketing agency, and I'm also the host of Practice Care. And the mission for both is the same. It's to help private practice owners stay private. It's really what they want. And I personally believe that care is better when it's just you and your provider sitting at the table, figuring out what's best for you. And there's nobody else secretly whispering in the provider's ear about what their agenda is, whether it's a hospital or a health system or owners in faraway lands. It's just you and your practitioner sitting at the table. Not that that's any easier in this day and age, given how things are going and how they've been going. It's fighting the good fight. And any day that we can keep a private practice owner, private is a good day for us. And today, my guest is Dr. Lakshmi Nayak. Dr. Nayak is a board-certified emergency medicine physician, and she's also certified by the Institute of Functional Medicine and the Board of Integrative and Holistic Medicine. After practicing acute care medicine at the busiest trauma centers in New York, she pursued holistic medicine for her own healing journey. She's practiced Isha yoga meditation for over a decade and has a deep understanding of Eastern healing traditions like Ayurveda and herbal medicine. Her practice, which is called Spectrum Integrative Health, focuses on blending ancient healing modalities with evidence-based Western medicine to help people heal with various conditions. And Dr. Nayak, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to come on Practice Care. Thanks, Carl. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And it's really interesting. Um, You are not the first guest that we've had, and it's not like Practice Care has thousands of episodes going for it, where the guests started down a path of of, of Western medicine and uh, lots of training, just like you, sometimes ER, sometimes whatever it was, it was very extensive training. And then for, for different reasons, added in, you know, holistic, alternative, integrative, for each of them, it was, it was a different part that they added in, into their practice, blending both, just like you. And so it's always very interesting. Whenever I hear any kind of career change, my, my ears perk up. You're an example of somebody who's, I don't know if it's a change, but it's a lot of training to go down the ER path, like a lot, you know, better than I, it's years. And then you look at this shortly thereafter and go, wait a second, I need to do more uh, because that's not feeding the desire that I've got for the type of practice that I want. So I have to keep doing this and do more. So I'd love to hear, can you just fill in the gaps and just tell us that story about, you know, you're going down the ER path, what that was like, then you add all this other stuff in and now here you are running an integrative health practice. I think it's very interesting. Yeah, you know, um, I did emergency medicine residency in New York and um, at some of the toughest places um, with some of the toughest uh, patient population. You know, it was a lot of violent crime in some areas. There was a lot of homelessness. There was a lot of drug addiction. There was um, pretty intense training. And, um, and, you know, the the intensity of the field and as it evolved, you know, um, definitely had a toll on my body. And I was, um, I could feel my, you know, system sort of breaking down. Um, I was getting uh, insomnia, stress, uh, not eating right, um, you know, just, just getting unhealthy. And there was a point where I uh, got diagnosed with autoimmune illness. Um, 
wow. after years of working in the ER. And I went to my traditional physician and I said, hey, you know, what do I do? And, you know, obviously a gamut of tests were done and pills were suggested and uh, medicines were suggested to which at that point I said, well, you know, I grew up in a South Asian family where, you know, nutrition was key. My mom grew her own herbs. And I said, you know what, let's go back to the fundamentals. Let's start researching what's out there. And, uh, you know, from there, it sort of catapulted my interest into integrative medicine of saying, hey, how do I heal myself with food, with herbs, with the land, with what was given to us? And then the journey just sort of continued and I wanted to know more and learn more and, um, you know, just healed myself out of the autoimmune illness that's gone. And um, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. I just, I just took care of my titers and I just figured it out. And I'm not saying that's the story for everybody that sure you're doing this, but for me, um, but it's hard to believe it's a story for just you alone either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of patients that we turn around for sure. Um, yeah. but you know, it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of, uh, you know, discipline and meet, you know, appointments with us and it's, it's not an easy road. And, mm -hmm. and so definitely got my health back. And then I said, you know what, I've got to share this because and then I couldn't go back and practice the way, way I was practicing. There is a profound place for acute care medicine in this country. I mean, we need it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the problem, the limitation with Western medicine is that it's a symptom-based approach, whereas integrative and functional medicine is a systems-based approach. Mm -hmm. You're not just treating, hey, I have a urinary tract infection or um, I have a cough, cold, my pneumonia, can you give me some medicine, the symptom? With functional and integrative, you're like, well, why did I get the pneumonia in the first place? Why did I get this infection in the bladder in the first place? Let's look at it. What's going on? And, and so when you go to that fundamental level, um, you can change a lot of things. Yeah. You, you can address it so it doesn't happen again. Yeah. It, it, it's so true. And, you know, the, just even the way Western medicine is organized, and this might sound like I'm sort of dumping, I don't, I don't mean to, but you take a cyst in the body and they, they specialize in that. And so pick whichever one you want, a, you know, a gastroenterologist. Well, why are you feeling this way? Look, man, all I can tell you, it's nothing going on in your GI. Well, that means it's somewhere else in my body and you're not, right. you might be interested, but you're not qualified. And now it's up to me. So you put the patient, if you think of a hub and spoke, the patient's in the center. Well, that's the exact wrong person to put there, but there's nobody else to go there and surrounding the patient are all these specialists going, not me, not me, not me. And well, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even orthopedics, for example, let's say yeah. the bone doctors, now they specialize in just the knee or just the hip right. or just right. the shoulder. And in right. the old days, they did the whole thing, <laughs> you know, they the did whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that make sense? The body's a system. Everything works together. It's integrated. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Part of it is potentially just the way that training is structured, part of it is um, we've had so many advancements in technology and mm -hmm. um, approaches and procedures that they do need to specialize. There's that piece. But then there's also this fragmentation that, you know, internal medicine doctors are not getting enough time to yeah. do a systems-based approach. So they're like, hey, go here, go here, go here, because I don't really have time. Yeah. All of it. Um, you know, we struggle with that as well. And the other piece is intellectual knowledge. It's difficult to know it all. Mm -hmm. It's just difficult to know it all. And um, there's so many advances uh, in, in all fields of medicine to keep up with PubMed articles, to keep up with research, to keep up with all of that. So, so I can understand the whole consultative process of go here, go here, go here. So it's a multitude of different factors why that happens. Um, 
in our practice, we do a systems-based approach, and of course we go deeper, but yes, I do also send out for consultations for particular things. So sure. I get them better after six months. I say, hey, we need to send you to the top guy for this, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we deal with specialists across the country um, mm-hmm. that, you know, we find for the for specific conditions. So yeah, you know, it's it's a layered sort of answer, but, you know, since you're talking, since you since the focus of your podcast is, you know, essentially this private practice concept of private practice, you know, in terms of the healing approach is, you know, if a system's broken, you, we don't, you know, a lot, some of the physicians come to me for burnout coaching and, you know, it's almost um, comical to say, Hey, you know, do some yoga and breath work and handle the system. Right. Yeah, well, how do they react to that? I wouldn't, I would never say that. Because oh. that has been the wellness approach in the broken system is let's yeah. create physician wellness in a broken model. It doesn't work when the physicians are stretched to such a degree that you, you can't fix um, the physician's stress because the system's broken. You need to change the system so mm-hmm. that the physician can change their lifestyle and support them in a way that they can live with wellness. Right. So that's why I left the traditional paradigm. I'm still an independent practice. I'm solo. Um, we're slowly adding on providers and, um, you know, there's been a tremendous interest in wanting to join, um, you yeah. know, to grow. Um, but, you know, I have to, you know, shield the practice very carefully, you know, because it's a cash-based model and, you know, there's challenges because I want everyone to be able to afford it. I want everyone to be able to come, but, you know, we are also trying to give, you know, bar none the best care possible, um, mm-hmm. you know, so we get outcomes and, you know, hopefully we'll see how the journey evolves, but we are, you know, there's that fear of staying independent in a recession that is truly here um, mm-hmm. there, you know, with the, don't you wish that we just call it already? Just, just say it. I mean, it's the whole here. world is, I mean, yeah. it's here. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's here. And, yeah. and, you know, we're seeing it play out. And, um, you know, from an integrative perspective, I deal with other things. I look at, you know, food production, food availability for, um, uh, for the United States. Um, we look at soil regeneration issues. There's no soil, by the way. Um, in about 25 years, we're going to feed. That's great news. That's great. The world. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah. <laughs> I know. Let's it's not laughing because it's legitimately funny. It's just like, Jesus, just add it to the pile, you know? Yeah. And, uh. <laughs> You know, if your audience wants to learn a little bit more about soil, which I think is the crushing topic for the planet today, is uh, consciousplanet.org. Okay. It's a fantastic place to learn. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I know we're talking about independent practices, but this topic is so critical that I want to be able to push it in the airwaves as much as possible because, sure. you know, for, for you to grow fruits and vegetables, okay, for you to grow fruits and vegetables, you need about three to, I guess, 7% organic content in the soil at a minimum. Mm-hmm. organic content is, you know, decayed leaves, uh, manure, et cetera, et cetera. Without organic content, soil turns to sand. Mm-hmm. You can't grow things. So now we are looking at soil concentrations in Africa and Europe, et cetera, and it's down to about four, 3% in some places. So, you Just know, great. yeah, we've done interviews with some top soil experts in the world and they're saying we have 10 years to turn it around. Um, and I think you said you're from Illinois and yeah. the assumption is Illinois is the first state that's going to go into drought. You would think California, but it's actually Illinois. And, 
at that point, food production, I mean, if half the world you can't feed in about 25 years, you're looking at civil wars, you're looking at a lot yeah, of, it's a, you know, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has to eat. So yeah. there, there's these questions of, uh, you know, how do we, even in my system of cash-based, right, of an mm-hmm. independent practice, I have to constantly think about creating models within a cash-based system yeah. that are, um, how do you say it, that are sustainable, mm-hmm. right? Because my vision in a cash-based practice is that the patient can come, get the tools that they need to be independent, that they don't need me anymore, mm-hmm. that, that they're not constantly dependent on me. Yeah. We're not worried about losing business. We have plenty. We have, <laughs> we have plenty of patients calling that are ill and sick. So I am always looking at models where that person becomes independent of us. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? We coach them on nutrition, get that set. We coach them on mindset, we set, get that set. If there's significant family trauma, childhood trauma, um, inability to cope with stress, altered mechanism, we fix that. We identify it and we, we try to refer you to the right people. We get, get a game plan going. Right. That way, you know, what systems to fall back on when things are not going the right way. That holds for, you know, a private practice. You know, Mm -hmm. you have the pillars, four or five pillars of a private practice. There's practice management, there's marketing, Mm -hmm. there is your providers, there is finance, right? Your bookkeeping, your CPA and revenue generation. There's these four pillars of an independent practice and I'm probably missing technology or something, biotech, whatever. Um, But you have these four or five pillars to an independent practice. And those systems are constantly changing, constantly developing. And Mm -hmm. even as they're developing, I'm constantly looking at models of, you know, how do we scale? How do we get people independent? Um, it's, It's funny, like a private practice is like a steady structure with a lot of chaos. Yes. Yes, if you can sort of organize the chaos, if that's allowable to put those two words together, right, right and kind of keep it bound somehow, yeah. yes, so that inside it's chaotic, but it doesn't bleed out right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I never ran an emergency department. I was a doctor in an emergency department, so I had a team of nurses and residents and uh, hospital administrators that I had to deal with, but I wasn't, you know, the head of a hospital right. or something. Right, right. So, it's a different role for me. Definitely running my own independent practice is in terms of leadership skills, in terms of administrative. I, I, I realize so many things about myself and you know this about entrepreneurship, right? Like I struggle making decisions and I'm an ER doc. I had to make decisions on the spot. And, you know, I laugh at myself sometimes. I'm like, where is this coming from? And, you know, I have to explore that. You know, mm-hmm. why, am I, why am I blocked in this? And so I start journaling and I keep looking and every single day is that work. Because, you know, unless I'm constantly developing my system, my inner system. Yeah. Yeah. Your business, your independent clinical practice will only be as stable as you are. Mm -hmm. Your medical practice will only scale as much as you scale internally. Yes. Yeah. And the scaling, a lot of people get stuck there because it's a, a, any small business, whether it's, you know, healthcare, medical or otherwise, you hit a point where you feel like this is as busy as I, as I can currently get. And then you got to figure out how to bust through that. I, I read something once that said, so you build systems for a practice, for a business or a practice, whatever they are. And when your patient or client volume or your revenue triples, around triples, everything that you built now breaks because it can't keep up and you have to 
build it all again. And so I keep that in the back of my mind for my own, for my own marketing agency. Go, all right, have I just keep an eye on this, Carl? I'm sure it's, you know, but but the, the way that you do things, I'd like to break through them because that means I'm a larger agency, but it's you get this, do I really want that? That feels painful. I don't really know how how long it would take to fix that or all the uncertainty of breaking through that to the new normal, which you hope you get to, right? And, and uh, but you gotta, when I'm watching it, I say, all right, this makes me feel uncomfortable. I must try it or I must, you can't just push it away because that's when you own the place, you, you have to try to bust through those things. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know? yeah, most people's limitation is usually a survival-based mechanism. It's fear. Yeah. Fear. It's just fear, uncertainty. So as we do the self-work and that's part of the healing and the holistic approach is as we do the work, um, you know, it starts to flourish and it shows up in our business. Yeah. And um, the other piece is, you know, uh, I'm a, other things I realize is, you know, I'm a grinder. I work, you know, that's me, but. No I, problem with that. You know, yeah, you know, the challenge though is sometimes I compromise connection and community, which I think is also really critical for growth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my team that I've now selected is, you know, they're phenomenal. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. phenomenal. And um, I'm humbled by them every day. And they, you know, update me on things and, you know, they think independently. And I don't really, you know, really watch over them much. They're just yeah. flying solo mostly. Yeah. And we have like weekly check-in meetings and, you know, things are just done. And, Mm -hmm. and so I'm, you know, truly humbled because I think that, you know, sometimes I didn't trust community and Mm -hmm. I wish I had done that a little bit more, a little earlier Mm -hmm. that I would have gotten that support quicker and maybe started this earlier. There's always what if. Oh yeah. You you can, you can spend all day going, boy, I wish. Yeah. I should have, I should have this, I should have that. Yeah. yeah. Should have, would have, could have, as my father used to say, yeah. terrible yeah. way to live. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And the other thing I really want to highlight, and I don't know if you know this is um, one physician in America, every, every single day in America, one physician commits suicide. Jeez. I did not know that. Yes. Yeah. So the, wow. burnout, yeah. Every single day, one doctor kills themselves in America, which is an astronomical statistic. Mm-hmm. Um, the other populations that are very high risk for suicide are our sacred vets for this country mm-hmm. and the American farmer. Mm-hmm. Is the American? I believe that. Yeah. So, given, given that our healers are killing themselves, it can tell you the rates of burnout and the rates mm-hmm. of stress that we're dealing with. In, yeah. Um, is, you know, is, is phenomenal. One of the foundations really working on this is called the Lorna Breen Foundation. Okay. Other private practices and other doctor, doctors are going through this in your podcast. Um, they can reach out. It's called the Lorna Breen Foundation and they're doing a lot of legislation at the federal level. Lorna Breen was an ER doc. Um, she was my senior and hmm. she committed suicide at the height of COVID. And Jeez. she was probably, I mean, Lorna was Lorna. She was magical. I mean, she was the head of an emergency department. She was an alpine skier. She was a violinist. She was passionate. She was happy. She was joyful. I mean, she would be the last person that this could potentially happen to, basically. And yeah. Yeah. So if she, okay. this happened to her, it's it's a wake-up call. Right. And, um, I think her brother-in-law is an attorney and was able to kind of do a lot of legislative work and bring it to President Biden and the Lorna Breen Act has been passed. 
and it has so, a okay yeah yeah i just got passed a couple of months ago i believe okay. and it provides hospital structure and support for physicians in case they're burning out running their practices or yep. uh, it allows for states to not ask that question if i apply for now let's say the state of florida or any other state for a licensure it says do you have any mental health issues and based on that they can reject your licensure wow so they're dealing with those issues kind of on the legislative level. Um, they are creating a new board. They're doing some fantastic work. Probably the most active organization in the country right now is the Lorna Breen Foundation. Okay. In terms of supporting physicians that sure. are burning out. Okay. So, you know, that's important to know. Um, Let me ask you this. So um, if, if we put ourselves, you know, sort of back to the beginning about, you know, are you... Are you stuck in your practice? You are stuck, you are burned out, or for whatever reason, you want to make a change. Um, one part of practice that I think you're an outlier that, because you mentioned the word marketing, um, one part of, of the medical world, you know, they own a practice. It, marketing is not usually thought of, certainly not in advance, like when you're getting ready to open. It's if, if my experience is any indication, it's we've just opened, now we need some help. So the idea of what if you open a practice, but nobody knew about you or knew what you did? Um, it's really, you know, it's really important. No patients, no practice. Um, add to it. So you are at a, you know, your practice is, it's, it's a different mindset, right? Most of us are in sort of the Western mindset. If I don't have a problem, uh, if, if, if it doesn't hurt today, I don't need to go see a doctor and, and you're coming at it from the other side. So get well, be well, stay well, that takes some work and it takes some, some care. I'm curious, like what are, you know, a couple of ways to grow your practice, like attracting patients. Cause they don't, most they don't think the way you are oriented, the way your practice tries to help people that have worked. And then like, I'd love to, if you're willing to share an area that, you know, you tried this and it didn't work yeah. just like as a good lesson, you know, for others. You know, it's, it's definitely the area that we struggle with in our practice. We incorporated in August of 21, we launched January of this year. So we're fairly new practice. Okay. Um, you know, that being said, I've been doing independent integrative consulting for years for the last 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of a clinical practice, so we've looked at our systems, we've looked at, you know, done our research, Facebook ads, Google ads, Instagram, this, that, et cetera. You know the deal, right? You're a marketer. Yeah. Um, first of all, let me say this to all physicians, whether you're starting today or yesterday or whenever, I think marketing is critical in today's day and age. It's an, it's basically an accepted and if you're independent private practice, I highly suggest you have a very functional operative website and, um, you know, uh, you know, just basically you need a, you need a website at the basic mm -hmm. and, and practices that are not doing marketing are not doing well financially. It's directly related in terms yes. of growth and scale. And that's just a given. There's no areas of debate about it. Amen. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I, I did not know you had a full marketing agency, but I mean, yes. Um, I hide that intentionally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a given. It's like a no brainer. That being said, the challenge that I found is to find the right agency that sort of speaks my vision. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times I will do my own independent research. And if I go to a marketing agency and I've tried them, maybe this was a couple of years ago when I tried to you know, hire some folks out, I would get a bunch of analytics. And I just didn't know. I didn't know what they meant. I didn't know how they were actually translating. Oh, you mean like um, the monthly report with the yeah, data dump? Yeah. The data dump? Yeah. 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 The data dump. And then yeah. for someone to tell me, does the data dump actually 
translate to anything in terms of tangible metrics. And so the metrics are 20 million people looked at your website, but one person booked. I'm just exaggerating. Yeah. I get that part. That's basic. I'm talking about all the other stuff that comes with it. And so we mm. did not really gel with a lot of companies in terms of direction and time. And I saw that they were struggling. Marketing agencies were struggling with really giving us the time that was needed because they're so busy themselves. Um, so what we ended up, and maybe that's just companies that I came across, whatever. Um, sure. That being said, so what we ended up doing was we hired an independent marketing consultant that we just have her once or twice a month to give us strategies. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we we she just gives us marketing strategies. Um, mm -hmm. And again, we're launching our new website in two weeks, et cetera. Um, but she gives us strategies and we have an in-house marketing person. Okay. Who does. That's good. Who give you the time. That's right. Yeah. Who gives the time. Yeah. Who gives the time. And gets to um, know you. Yeah. Who gets to know me, gets to know my philosophy. So all our posts three times a week are, you know, edited by me and looked at by me because mm -hmm. the vision. So, and, and, and the other thing is, you know, some people say, well, you know, TikTok is the hottest thing. It's the hottest thing. You've got to do it. That's great. I don't mind that. The challenge is it's the message. We just had this meeting yesterday. How do I want to come off on TikTok? What is the voice and the messaging that I want to give? Am I doing a dance? If so, am I at a grocery store talking about labels? And do I want to be perceived as this or perception as that? So the vision, it's not just about how many people book. It's about the vision. It's about who's calling you. And some people might say, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's just about how many people book and you just got to grow the business and get this money in and this much cash in. I, it's, I get all of that. We're not at mm. that point. Yes, exactly. In our practice, that is not what we're about. Yeah. To exude a certain, um, you know, vision, a message. We want a certain clientele to come and we want people who really are serious about getting healthy. And that's what I was just thinking for you. You are not the, I don't know, the standard primary care practice. You know what I mean? Like that's, there isn't a good example where you could say, well, they should take anybody, but you, it strikes me that you need a certain kind of mind frame or mindset of the person walking in. Yes. Yeah. And I, I wasn't that particular before because if it's just revenue, right, we're not just relying on patients. We're about to launch a $21 a month weight loss program with my registered dietitian, functional dietitian for 20 years next month. So we're hoping yeah. a large number of people join that. We're going to push marketing for that. We have a summit that's in the work to launch for um, autism and weight loss and um, long haul COVID. So we have a lot of different things that are working as revenue-based models, Right. just that the patients that are coming to us, I want like people that are ready to work, to focus on their health. And so we want, so what's the message we give, right? Mm -hmm. and so, um, it's not all about revenue. Uh, and if you focus just on that, your systems become limited. Your approach becomes limited. Because, sure. Yeah. Like. Well, because you have to pour in a certain amount of time, whether they're good or bad, right? And you don't necessarily tell right away, oh, you're a bad one, you're a good one, but that time's gone. Can't get it back. So yeah, better screening up front. Yeah. Pretty much we screen. Um, and I want to change that paradigm for myself. I don't want to say good or bad. I want to say patients who are ready to work and yes. really, um, and a lot of times patients have significant trauma and mm -hmm. self uh, self, um, limitations so that mm -hmm. they say, I want to get healthy holistically. They'll come, they'll sign up, but truly what they really want is someone to just hear their pain. Mm -hmm. 
not necessarily, or they want to continue patterns of trauma because I'm seeing more and more of that. Yeah. They're not receptive. They say that they intellectually think they are, but when transformation, it comes to the point of transformation and we're saying, well, you need to do this. You need to do this. We've seen it in 20 years, thousands of patients. This is what we know. Yeah. This is evidence-based. They're not ready for it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm sort of a little bit of a rebel, you know, being an ER, you know, I don't do anything, um, by the book always, you know? Um, yeah. Right. No, I don't. Um, you, 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 know, you can't always. Yeah. No, you know, Western medicine is evidence-based Eastern medicine is more energetic based. It's intuitive. It's, um, not, not always, you know, tons of data. The studies are yeah. all, you know, small scale, 30 patients, 50 patients with, you know, dosages of turmeric and fish oil that vary, you know, all yeah. over the place. So yeah, we look at best practices. We are very careful what we put folks on. Um, but a lot of it is intuitive. It's the practitioner, right? right. You know, um, it's, you know, our practitioners are very, you know, quick and able to intuitively hone in at the first mm -hmm. visit on the problem. So for example, we have, you know, we had, you know, that ADHD case I brought up, we had somebody who had ADD and came to us for ADD. Mm -hmm. Immediately, you know, she said, you know, I get dizzy after meals and went from there to, she's not eating enough, went from there to diagnosing her with potentially anorexia, went from there to diagnosing her with potentially body dysmorphic issues. And she said to us, you know what, 20 years up and going to all these places and you guys, you know, put it together in probably one, one visit because we knew the MO, we knew exactly what was, yeah. she was coming for one thing, but it was completely, totally different. Right. Um, anyway, I digress as I get passionate about these things, but. Um, <laughs> no, but we think about, you know, I mean, you said a couple of things, you know, um, a way to, something that works to grow. Um, one thing is just being, I guess, if I hear you, it's, it's, I guess, grow carefully, you know, think about every practice, even if you think you can take anybody, you should think a little more carefully about who you want to take to the extent that you can. Yes. Uh, maybe on day one, you take a lot more than you end up saying that you want to, because it's day one. And part of it is you need some revenue. And part of it is you just don't know any better. You have to have some patient experience to go, oh, they're not a good fit. And I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if there's something that you've tried, although you're a very young practice, um, that just didn't work. That could be a good kind of cautionary tale for others to keep an eye out for. There's nothing categorically good or bad, but something that just, you looked at it and you go, oh, that's not going to work. There's, oh my gosh. There's a whole lot of things. I mean, a whole <laughs> lot of things. When I tried to launch this practice in 2015, 2016, I made a lot of errors. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of it was, uh, you know, business strategy was off. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the skills and the people I trusted were not great in advising me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was more me. It wasn't them. As I fixed myself, I fixed everything around me. It's all about going inward. So what did I do? I Yeah, what was read, what did you what changed? So I read books on business management. I read books on healthcare reform. I read um, revenue strategies in integrative medicine, percentage of practices that close, where are they getting their money? I mean, hell, I educated myself, you know, till kingdom come. And mm -hmm. um, you know, now I can see the clarity in my decisions. If I are, if I hire a strategist, like the, you know, we hired a practice management group to say, hey starting my practice, I gave her a 20 page typed up financial report by me of all revenues, 
generating strategies. And they came back and said, oh my gosh, we've never had this before. And, you know- Would you like to come work for us? Cause we, <laughs> you know, I'm well, kidding, but you know- yeah. And that was, that, that was just mistakes I learned from. You know, mm -hmm. um, I hired a practitioner who I didn't believe in myself in integrative medicine and my knowledge base. So I would think, oh, this person's more experienced and that person's more experienced and, you know, hire them in. And mm -hmm. my selection process would, was not rigorous. Mm -hmm. So now, um, you know, perfect example, are, <clears throat> excuse me, our dietitian um, and several others that are coming on, our massage person, our herbalist, you know, my interview process is a lot more serious. It's recommendations-based. We run about three to five cases in mm. detail on what the approach should be, how they would approach it from their Eastern training. And <clears throat> because it's a very non-tangible specialty, right? There's no guidelines so people can do whatever the heck they want if yeah. they're not properly trained so like our ayurveda consultant is uh we have two consultants and one is probably top three in the world he's written 25 books on ayurveda he's out of new zealand and he's consulting for us and wow. somebody who's on the world health organization um for ayurveda and writes their policies on ayurveda so highly skilled highly trained people because um and i learn a lot from them because it mm. takes six years to do Ayurveda, six years to do Chinese traditional herbal medicine in China. So these are um, folks that know their industry, they know their art, and I, I truly don't know a lot of what they practice. So it's a collaborative effort. Um, and so we work as a team um, in getting you know patients yeah. better. That's always sort of been my vision. Um, so yes, my practice management decisions got better because I studied the industry. So when I interviewed our herbalist, I would ask all these questions in the interview. You know, how do you treat this condition? What herbs would you yeah. use? How do you, you know, decide um, if yin and yang is off? How do you decide this, et cetera? And mm -hmm. if the questions were thorough, then I would hire. And it's been great that way. But I realized this was all about me. If your practice is not working, yes, I understand um, all limitations, insurance, and but we can't put it all on that, right? We have to continually try to work our systems. Mm -hmm. The only way we improve our systems is if we work on ourselves. And in that regard, I would say the program that altered my life and changed my system was, you know, inner engineering. It's the yoga meditation yeah. that I did with Isha Foundation um, that sort of catapulted my whole journey into this yeah. and really helped me transform. Right. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of yeah, and a lot of lessons in there. I mean, if if I try to boil it down, it, it what 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 I what comes to my mind and what I heard you sort of express more than anything else was in no particular order. You have to know yourself. You have to know what you're getting into. You should educate yourself, Doctor X. You know who you are. You think you know everything, but you don't on the business side. And that's more than uh, you, you got to get below fifty thousand feet. You got to get granular. Um, you've really got to and, and take your decide you're going to try to get smart before the day you open, and then you're going to learn the rest, uh, or you're going to say, screw it. I'm going to open up and I'll just going to have faith that I learned fast enough along the way. I think the only advice I'd have for you there is if you're going to pick that path, have a team of people who can advise you fast because cash goes out the door fast every day, as a matter of fact, because you're open every day. And so what, what, what Lakshmi did was just 
follow the way she, it sounds like you follow the way you like to learn. I, I kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm like you in that sense. Like I just, you know, one question I say, I don't understand X and I know it's going to get bigger before it gets smaller. And the only way to make that happen, and it gets smaller again, when I start to really feel like I've got my arms wrapped around it, it just takes time. However you feel you want to learn and understand how you, how you do learn things, because when you open a practice or you make a significant change to your practice, you're adding all sorts of variables to it that you owe it to yourself to have some kind of understanding of what they are, because as a business side, you could be the best clinician in the world, but if the business side is hemorrhaging and sick, you're just not going to be a clinician in that environment for very long. Um, did, did I kind of capture it right? 100%. And I did not certain things right in terms of heavy marketing. I would tell nobody does. You know, it's just, yeah. yeah. If, yeah. if you want to open, I would say definitely start marketing easily six months to a year before, um, you know, and start put, getting the word out there. Somehow. Can I clone you? And <laughs> because I have a client just last week, two weeks ago. She's yeah, my client, they, they've next week, they're opening an, uh, they, they want to expand into this new geographic area. And I just, oh. and, and, and I work with the internal marketing person. We just found out, I just chuckled. I'm like, isn't it great that we're always the last to know? Like, why would you say you're going to put somebody in a new area and essentially without any marketing, you're not able to tell anybody about it. So oh. you're going to pay that person starting a week from now, but nobody knows about that person yet. Don't you want to give them a little head? So anyway, yes. Six yeah, months to a year is a really nice, comfortable yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say for cash-based practices, marketing is like, I mean, as, as practice management, uh, if you're insurance mm -hmm. practice, you know, probably not as like, it would be 30% important, I would say, or whatever. I, I don't know how to put a number because you have steady income coming in from insurance, but mm -hmm. regardless, um, I would say you need to start early, you know, yeah. to rephrase. I think the ideal thing for folks to keep cash coming in is probably hybrid model is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. You know, yeah, a hybrid model is obviously, you know, got a combo of both, but it's, you know, I think marketing, you need to get it in early and mm -hmm. you need to find someone who aligns with your vision, um, and can take your vision, you know, quickly it's, but I tell practitioners, you know, you've got to keep the marketing agency accountable. You've got to check in with them. You've got to see what they're delivering. You know, what are their deliverables? In, um, if they're telling you to do, you know, Google ads or Facebook ads and what stage you're in and to advise you at every single stage so that your money's being stretched correctly. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's, in my practice, I will tell you that marketing is the greatest unknown for us. And so mm -hmm. we'll try to pin it down in-house marketing and this consultant, but we still don't have it right. And, um it's always kind of a evolving system that is probably, it's, it's just an that I'm not versed in. And in terms of the business aspect, I feel like clinicians are pretty smart folks and they can educate themselves on business skills, but marketing, the challenge is, I think, and I don't know, you know, this field way better than I do is, you know, the algorithms keep changing and there's all these different. Isn't it great? It's yeah. just, <laughs> it's just you know, algorithms change and, you know, all the requirements keep changing. It's just so hard to keep up, um, you know, in, in the field mm -hmm. that it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know how you do it. Kudos to you. <sighs> There's no magic uh, answer to that one. It's just, it's like you, you've got, you know, not only are you sort of in the kind of the primary care world, but you've got two different modalities going on. So you've just doubled the fun for you and how do you keep up with it all? And so, you know, marketing is just like any other discipline. It's, it's ever changing and therefore a lot of continuing it basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually we could go on for so much. It's such an interesting conversation, but, but in the interest of kind of 
of, of bringing it home. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask you, so, you know, for, for the folks listening, if, if they, if, if we've caught their attention and they're saying, you know what, I, I, I picked up something from what was being said today, but I, I, I need to do something with my practice. I feel stuck. Is, is there one or two, you know, kind of quick practical pieces of advice you would offer that they could, as soon as they're done listening, go, you know what, I'm going to do what she said, just to kind of get started. It could be anything. I would say the biggest thing is if you're doing this alone, um, it, it, I would say get into a community. There's mm. a ton of different physician groups. Uh, there's um, Physicians Leverage and Growth Summit, all physicians. There's um, in your own city, if you're from Indiana, there's like an Indiana Facebook group of physicians. Yeah, there if is. If you're going into integrative medicine, there's a ton of different functional medicine, integrative medicine groups um, on Facebook. That has helped me considerably. I, I'll put out practice management questions. I'll put out um, you know business questions. Uh, clinical questions, they respond. People respond mm-hmm. to your feed as long as you're active in those feeds. So find community if you're starting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's doing, great. Yeah, finding community yeah. is huge. Um, yeah. in other areas, you know, yeah. um, if you're trying to build a practice, yes, definitely find a community. Yeah. And the second thing I would say is if someone says, hey, you know what? I use this group for uh, legal stuff for my medical practice. Mm-hmm. Let's just say someone tells you that someone you trust as a friend gives you a good referral. I would say that vet your resources very carefully. Even if someone recommends them, go in with questions, be prepared, read ahead of time. And if that consultant is able to really, you know, I tell, I tell other practitioners, you know, when you walk into a meeting, you should be about 95% prepared and already know your information. The consultant should provide maybe the last 5%. Yeah. But that's, the clincher. Yeah. If that consultant yeah. gives you the last five percent, that determines the direction of your practice. So, you know, my, me giving that report, and I tell you know, I tell the clinicians, you know, if you don't know, then get a consultant or get a coach. There's plenty of business coaches, legal coaches. Yeah. Um, you know, we organi- We we just joined our practice when we started NAS NASE.org. It's eleven dollars a month. It's you don't have to pay four hundred dollars or thousand mm-hmm. dollars for a consultant. It's eleven dollars a month for mm-hmm. startup healthcare people for they give you healthcare law business law business strategies and it's a membership group and mm-hmm. um it's fantastic it's nase.org and um you know we looked you know it's out there there's a ton of resources out there it's a question of you finding them these are just right. ideas so get community and get prepared i would say yeah. two different you know two things yeah and, and I'll add to it is get the mindset that this is going to probably take longer than you think. It's going to have more twists or turns because you're learning something new. So if you, if you have that mindset and then dive, get community, dive in, whether it's people, coaches, books, webinars, whatever, add it all together, dive yeah. into the deep end of the pool and you'll come out because you're smart, but you just don't know it yet. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wax me. Thank you. Thank you so much. This excellent conversation. I, I've loved it. Um, learned a ton. Very interesting. Gives me hope. Gives me hope that, uh, yes, I'm not going to try to minimize it and say, you know, being a private practice owner is easy. It's getting harder starting it. Oh my God. Um, can't even, you know, it's hard to fathom sometimes, but you, you, you give me hope. You give us hope that it can be done. It's just, it's a different model and, and uh, with a lot of extra benefits. Um, just a couple of points before we wrap up. I'll put all of uh, Laxmi's contact info in the show notes. So anybody who wants to reach out can find that very easy to do so. 
And then finally, if you, if you own a private practice and you've got an experience on the business side, like Laxmi has, that you think others would benefit from, please, uh, we want you to come on Practice Care so that you can share your insights and help the world of private practice stay that way. In the show notes, there's a link. It's just a, a quick form just to tell us what you want to talk about, and then we can get you scheduled as soon as possible. And finally, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Practice Care on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks very much. And until next time. Thank you for listening to Practice Care with Carl White. Make sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss another episode. You can find our guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.